0: Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones, and I have another quiet talk that I'd like to share with you, and I hope and pray it blesses your heart. I've been a minister all my life. Sometimes I've been part-time, mostly full-time. It's interesting to watch how people react to you as a man of the cloth, as they used to say— Some people who have been active in church a lot just see you as another pastor. You're not the first. You won't be the last. Some have been good, some bad. Other people don't like preachers at all. Either they've had a bad experience or, more likely, they've hardly ever darkened a church door in their lives and they've constructed a view of ministers based on scandals they heard about on television. There are other reactions, of course. Once I was in a grocery store and by my garb, People could tell I was a minister. A lady said to me, If I was in your position, I wouldn't do my own shopping. (laughs) I was puzzled by that. I don't think I had a good comeback, but later I, I thought of saying something like, Would you like to do my shopping for me? Anyway, the people I have in mind right now are those who have too high a view of ministers. There are those who think that if you're a clergyman, that you're some kind of super Christian who never sins and probably doesn't even have any real temptations. I don't know what group you are in. Hopefully, you are one who, as a committed believer, knows that pastors have unique challenges, are not perfect people, and need much prayer. But Let me just go on the record as one who has been in this line of work off and on for well over 40 years. I'm not perfect. I don't have any superpowers. I sin. I need prayer. Pray for me. There's a guy in the Bible who, if anybody seemed to have superpowers, it was him. I'm talking about the prophet Elijah. Elijah is pretty high in the pantheon of Old Testament heroes, if I can use that word. In case there's any doubt about that, just remember in the New Testament, who appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus Christ, Moses and Elijah. Not Abraham, not David, not Isaiah. So Elijah is right up there. Let me just say that if you want to compare any preacher you know, including me, with Elijah, there's not a one, including Billy Graham, who's going to measure up too good. Elijah was quite a guy. Elijah's greatest victory as a prophet was on Mount Carmel. At this time, Israel, which would be the northern kingdom, was ruled by wicked King Ahab. You may also remember his lovely wife, Jezebel. Under Ahab, Baal worship became widespread in Israel. This was an especially evil form of idolatry that Ultimately, brought down the nation of Israel, who had been commanded to have no other gods before the one true God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jezebel was not herself an Israelite, but came from the city of Sidon in the north to the north of Israel. She was an enthusiastic Baal worshiper. But in the darkest times, God raises up prophets to warn his people of destruction. Elijah was one of these prophets. He called for a showdown on Mount Carmel between the true God of Israel and Baal. He summoned Israel and the prophets of Baal, who were 450 in number, to come and decide who the nation was going to worship. Elijah proposed a test in which two sacrifices would be laid out on two altars. The God who answered by fire would be the God of Israel. So the prophets of Baal called on their God to send fire and burn up their sacrifice. After a long period of screaming and other extreme efforts to get Baal's attention, it was Elijah's turn. Just to prove things conclusively, Elijah poured 12 large water pots full of water On his sacrifice, he said a brief prayer to God, and then fire came down, burned up the sacrifice, the stones, and licked up all the water on the sacrifice and in the trench that Elijah had dug around the altar. Everybody in Israel all of a sudden got religion when they saw this. They said Yahweh was their God. And then Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal on the spot. What a great victory for this man of God. But the very next day he gets a little message from Jezebel. By this time tomorrow, Elijah, you're going to be like those 450 dead prophets. Or my name ain't Jezebel. Well, you would think this mighty man of God who called down fire from heaven would laugh at her threat. Why, he killed 450 prophets without batting an eye. He's not going to be scared of this one woman, is he? Actually, he was. He was so afraid that he ran for his life all the way down south to Beersheba, out of the northern kingdom into the lower part of Judah. He got out of town and hid in a cave. What happened to this powerful prophet of the Most High God? Listen to what he says. He says, God, you might as well kill me right now. I have been a faithful prophet for you. I've stuck up for you, and now I'm the last righteous man in the nation, so just kill me. Here is Elijah, right on the heels of his greatest victory and his greatest demonstration of faith in God, experiencing suicidal depression. He doesn't want to live anymore. Sometimes you hear pastors talking about the Monday blues. Maybe you have a wonderful service on Sunday, you preach a humdinger of a sermon, and then you wake up Monday depressed. I've experienced that a few times, but not always. But I've never been suicidal. But this great man Elijah was. What happened? The answer is simple. Elijah was a human being. He was actually not superhuman. He was a man. Listen to what James in the New Testament says about him. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I grew up with the King James Version of the Bible. There it says that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. I like that. He had the same feelings I do sometimes. He was tempted to sin. He had his weak moments. And then James goes on to say, but he prayed fervently. Even though Elijah was really a man just like us, He believed in the same God that we have, and so he prayed with all his heart. And even in this weak moment, when he wanted to die, God met him and strengthened him and continued to use him. My friend, are you ever depressed? I know some, if not many of you, are at times. Perhaps some of you have even experienced clinical depression. That doesn't mean you are weak or that you're a substandard Christian. It just means you're human. And like Elijah, you live in a deeply fallen world, and sometimes that world can get the best of you. I urge you to call out to God. Be as brutally honest as Elijah was, or as Job was for that matter. God knows what you're feeling and thinking, so just pour it out to him and don't sugarcoat it. He calls on you to do so. He respects honesty. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him because God is our refuge. In times of depression, God is your refuge. That means he's the hiding place you run to. Just like Elijah ran to that cave, run to God your rock. He will meet you there. He will not find fault with you, but he will meet your need. When Elijah told God to kill him, God didn't say, shame on you, Elijah. Instead, he sent an angel to fix Elijah something to eat. God knew that part of his problem was that he was hungry. So God met this simple, creaturely need before he had his conference with the prophet. My friend, your depression doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. It means that he's right there and he longs to meet your every need. Trust him today. Heavenly Father, I pray that on the beginning of this new year, Lord, that Uh, when many people are maybe worried about what this year holds for them, what's going to happen, what is to come for us, I pray for your encouragement, and I pray that that the Holy Spirit will just draw each one listening to my voice, to their rock, to God their refuge, and they will pour out their heart to God, and that you will strengthen and you will encourage all those who might be depressed today. And I pray in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As always, you can reach me by email at father at outlook God bless you.